closed around the serpent's eye. Strange and eternal. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. Today we are discussing Nicolas Cage's brand new indie action horror thriller, Mandy, 2018, directed by Panos Castamos. Mandy is set in the primal wilderness of 1983, where Red Miller, a broken and haunted man, hunts an unhinged religious sect who slaughtered the love of his life. So, this movie was just an absolute, like, trippy, uh, psychedelic, slow burn, methodical, uh, everything placed in a certain, camera placed in a certain position, very, you, you know, that type of movie. It's, it's, uh, first, first and foremost, it's a slow burn. Apparently, the trailer shows this being a balls-to-the-wall action movie. I just want to say that in the non-spoiler section. That this is a slow-burning movie. Now, with saying that, that doesn't mean it doesn't ramp up. Now, let's talk about some good things about this movie. One, the colors. The colors are some of the first things that you're going to see from this movie. It's one of the most dynamic-looking uh uh, color palettes that you'll see in a movie this year and maybe in the last few years. Uh, very recognizable. It has many, uh, it, it takes many liberties from other uh, highly acclaimed, uh, what's it called, uh, uh, directors and other movies, you know, such as uh, ones that first came to mind uh, would be Nicholas Winding Refn's. Uh, only God Forgives and Drive, those movies definitely felt like they had a kind of a stylistic flair within this. And it also had kind of the pacing and tonal feel of a Tarantino or a, this year's hereditary director, Ari Aster. It, uh, very, like I said, it was very slow and methodical in the way everything was very, uh, placed. But it was also done in a way where it didn't feel like we were just sitting there for, you know, an excess amount of time uh, and nothing was happening. So what I would say, sorry if y'all can hear the rain in the back. We're, we're trying to suffer through uh, Florence right now in the Carolinas. So uh, bear with me. I'll, I'll try to block out as much sound. Uh, yeah, the uh, the movie was... I think ex excellently paced, especially for one of his first movies. This is not his first. This is uh, Cosmatos uh, Plantos. Sorry, what the hell is this guy's name? Panos Cosmatos. Uh, Panos Cosmatos, director, writer, producer. This is his uh, uh, second movie uh, after Beyond the Black Rainbow, and it it I, this is an excellent film for a second for his second film. Uh, 
I think this is a polarizing movie. It's not for everyone. It's got a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, but it also has a 7-1 on IMDb. So it's split right down the middle of where critics and uh, critics and uh, what's it called? Uh, and regular, you know, just normal viewers that watch movies all the time are are coming down on this. And so I think this is more of a critics movie. It's not so much of a, or a critics or a it's something to put uh, an indie stamp on. This isn't one you're not going you're going to make tons of money from. So I think that with saying that if you're, you know, if you haven't watched this movie already, if you're more of a critique uh, you know, uh, if you like to critique movies, if you like movies that you want to learn stylistic flair, camera placement, blocking, you know, direction. If you want to watch it for learning purposes, I can totally see someone really wanting to uh, watch this. But other than that, like the average action horror thriller goer, I don't think this is your movie. I'd, uh, like I said earlier this year, Hereditary, that had a very slow and methodical pace to it, but it also built suspense in a very, very nice way. I thought this also did a very great job with uh, the pacing that it, it, it was currently uh, having to, you know, uh, with to lift on his back. It was a two-hour movie, but it probably could have been an hour and a half just due to the slow-mo. The, uh, there is a, an excessive slow-mo uh, in this. So let me talk about the performances real quick before we uh, go too much further. The performances of... Nicholas Cage as Red Miller, uh, excellent. Andrea Riseborough plays Mandy Bloom. She does a phenomenal job, kind of giving this uh, very stoic, very uh, it's kind of sensual, but it's also like something's haunting her. But she's she's got a lot going on behind uh, behind the eyes. And Linus Roach, he did a phenomenal job, I think, as the uh, the cult leader he plays jeremiah jeremiah sand and this guy he also played uh thomas wayne bruce wayne's father bruce wayne's father uh in batman begins so if you recognize his face that might be where you see him from you recognize him from but uh linus roach did an excellent job trying to uh as you know the cult leader and uh couldn't say enough good things about this uh relatively small cast but they st they still brought the fire. The sound in it, the sound design, I thought did was really cool. Costuming with uh, there's there's costuming in within the movie that has to do with uh, more than just the clothes that you know just regular clothes. There's some crazy psychedelic kind of stuff. The costuming in that was pretty cool. It was. Uh, a little suspenseful, a little thrilling, a little uneasy, that type of thing. The atmosphere in this uh, movie is can't be spoken enough. It just the the colors that seep into each scene um, that help within the transitions of each scene. It's it's a beautiful film. It's psychedelically trippy, and you just all over the place. There's a uh, it's kind of a two-tone of a movie because I'd say that what they advertised was the movie that happened about at the 50-minute mark, not 
the first 40 minutes because it is, it, it, it's a two hour movie and it's first it it's first little bit can be pretty uh, slow and methodical for uh, a lot of people that, you know, want to get the gears going. So let's uh, with saying that. I think this is a, a critics movie, you know, uh, I, I said it earlier, not so much the average moviegoers uh, type uh, feel. Let's uh, jump into the spoiler section so we can talk about this a little bit more in detail. I, I haven't seen too many posts or too many podcasts related to Mandy, so let's get our thoughts out there. So when I first started the first 10 minutes, I was like, geez louise this is gonna be a lot to handle i mean it is just your classic indie movie where barely little hardly anything is said at the beginning the character development was a little bit slow i think the character development and most of it was a little bit hard to hard to grasp and reach um at some points or at, at many points because of the slow nature of it um I think everyone played their part really well. All of the actors did really good, in my in my opinion. Maybe the little overacting with the cult leader, but it wasn't it wasn't excessive in my opinion. Um, it starts off with a great opening and everything. You know, the it it opens very much like uh, the Shining did. You know, with uh, over the trees and kind of over over the top and. Um, wide shot wide shot with the credits rolling over it was uh it it definitely feels like it's influenced from a lot of the movies that came out in the 70s and 80s and those types of filmmakers um uh you can tell that he's done his research and into the different types of storytelling and techniques this specifically has several different techniques of storytelling i mean hell there's animation within this that looks uh, wonderful um, the trippy nature of the people that are, you know, once you find, once Bill Duke explains everyone, uh, why everyone's tripping out and they're, you know, they're seeing these demon looking things and it's basically because, uh, the drug dealer made a bad batch of, uh, I guess meth is what I think they said. Um, but yeah, it, it, you essentially find out what, where this trippy nature is coming from and it's, it's from the drugs. And so... I think the movie really kicked off for me once uh, Nick Cage whooped that first guy's ass um, that after, you know, he was kidnapped and, you know, has, had his hand nailed and everything. I mean, there's just so many scenes in this that I could talk about. I don't know if it would do me uh, any favors just discussing each scene um, by myself because I feel like this is a movie that might uh, require another person to bounce some ideas off and if we had some... Uh, a little bit more interaction, we would go a little bit longer with it. But I do think there is a, a, there's a lot of memorable scenes. The suspense is really kicked up once the cult is introduced. Um, the uh, direction of it, I I really like the direction. I think just knowing that it's slow, like a slower burn, really helps the uh, the feel of it. But it also get you in a place where you're like all right i'm ready for this to to boil over and you know get to the good stuff and so once it hits that 50 minute mark i really think it starts to hit hit its stride and it earns its stride once it's once it's there um there's small subtle things that 
you probably I don't personally understand like the book that she was reading I know that has to do with some sort of satanic imagery or so I know cult religious imagery that Andrea was uh reading Mandy was reading uh Andrea's rise uh, Andrea Riseborough as Mandy she did, I think she did a really interesting performance uh I, we we've seen her in Bloodline and we've also seen her in uh Birdman and Oblivion and I don't remember in the, her in many of those roles but this role she will definitely be remembered in I mean she she shines in this uh I do think the chemistry between Nick Cage and Mandy is it's not lacking it's the it's the writing that is uh correlated along with it I guess because it's such a slow I, I say I keep saying this because it is paced at such a uh, at a, such a snail's pace that I don't feel like we ever got full development between Nick Cage and his girl. I just know that they they seem to click, but we didn't we didn't get to really feel the connection. So we when we actually did lose her, um, I didn't feel as upset as I probably could have if they would have established a little bit more ca character development, especially with Nick Cage. He was just such a quiet, stoic person. The first uh, fifty minutes of the movie, you're just like, well, when are we gonna unleash the tiger? And we we literally have to unleash the tiger at one point, and uh, I thought that was it, it's a cool metaphor, but it's also just like what the fuck did that drug dealer have a tiger in his uh, lair or something like that? And uh, did he kill? I wanted to see that. Uh, I don't know that drug dealer get his. Um, but yeah, there's many cool things about this uh, this action horror thriller. I'm not really sure if I'd call it horror. I'd, it wasn't that scary i was actually ready for a little bit more i know this was done on a six million dollar budget so possibly the last act was hindered by the the budget and um the fact that they didn't want to go too they wanted to go over the top but not too over the top because they just actually couldn't so um the action that happened it felt well earned um the once the cult was really introduced is when i was start when i got hooked on uh, to the film and I the more I talk about it and the more I'm uh, you know going back over everything that I, I'm you know regurgitating everything I I really did like the movie I mean it was kind of a downer in uh, in overall when it comes out of it just because of how it ends you know his girl's down his girl's still dead and Nick Cage is crazy now but uh, we got rid of all the crazy demon guys and all the you know all the the, the shit that uh the, the drugs and, and, and the bad cult members and stuff like that. I mean, I guess that's that's what we need to look forward to and uh, making the world a better place kind of thing. But let's talk about some of the technical things a little bit before we wrap up this podcast. I think the editing in this was... Uh, it was done at... Well, the editing was interesting. I would, I'm really curious about what they were look, looking for with the editing. Because in some some scenarios, they would, uh, you know, quick, pa quick, fast editing when he's taking the drugs and he's going experiencing what what drugs these people, these cult members are on. Uh, like, that was really cool. But then it would do, like, slow pans, like, above the house. And then it would turn into, you know, stars or turn into the red or blue colors. And those those colors were so uh, uh, 
deafening. I mean, they probably used $5 million of the budget just on red lights, I mean, in blood, because it was, uh, it was essentially those two things made up half the movie, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought the, just the color palette in it just looked so cool, just, just, uh, really popped, and it's hard to compare that to many other, uh, other stylistic flares and other movies, so, yeah, I, I, when I was watching this, I was thinking, this is almost as beautiful as that uh, movie uh, Alpha. And Alpha was shot in, you know, I believe that, that was in like, uh, the, you know, the Netherlands and uh, some wide skate planes kind of near, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Game of Thrones is shot and just really large scenic locations. But yeah, it was, it was a beautiful movie. And uh, I couldn't say enough about, you know, the the visuals of it i think the visuals of it are really what uh prop this up as a better movie than most because honestly if you just took most of the visuals out it would be just a kind of an okay movie with a crazy nick cage but with the visuals with the stylistic tempo the uh the 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 snail pace that it goes at really helps to satisfy the endings of the part it helps to satisfy when he actually does snap or when he does release or when he does finally break free or when something finally happens you know and so uh that i thought that was that was really smooth um and well executed um it seems that this was filmed sorry uh Alpha was filmed in Canada, Iceland, and, uh, oh, Canada and Iceland, and so, yeah, those were just beautiful locations where, where, where it was shot, and, uh, where the hell was Mandy shot, let's see, Mandy was shot in Ch Chau de Fontaine, Belgium, I know I probably said that wrong, I apologize, Belgium, and, uh, Landelis, Belgium. So yeah, it, beautiful place. Um, and let me talk about the title cards a little bit. I, I there's three separate title cards I believe that really are kind of describe where you are in the movie. So the first ten minutes, the first twenty minutes, and then once you hit about an hour into the movie, you get the actual Mandy title screen. And so when is when when's the last time we've seen a movie where the title screen of the movie was straight smack in the middle of the movie which just boggled my mind i was like this guy is bold real bold um because i thought he was just gonna go it, it, it's kind of like you're watching it like a book if that makes sense you know you're flipping through the chapters you're going through and then you're finally at the it, it's almost like we're we're just the whole first hour is set up you know it's not even like part of the movie it's just like this is the prelude to what's the movie that you're really about to watch and so it it does have like a two-tone shift and uh I, I think it does well balancing those you know just because there's not tons of action at the beginning doesn't mean it doesn't have that suspense um that it really needs so another character i really liked bill duke oh my gosh bill duke he was from predator dude why don't we have Bill Duke and Nick Cage just hop on into the Predator and we're all good? I mean, <laughs> uh, we, we just reviewed the Predator, so um, 
uh, it just felt appropriate to uh, bring that up. But Bill Duke supplying the goods, supplying the expository dialogue. I know sometimes having uh, the person of color exp- explain the, you know, what's going on the uh, in the movie. It's a cliche thing. I'm not gonna put it past this movie because I, you know, uh, I see movie trying to do that. But uh, I would have liked a little bit more Bill Duke in it, but I understand why he's not. Um, but we got a, a great, a great couple scenes with him, or great scene with him. Um, anything else from sound, technicals? Yeah, the visuals really nice. I, the things I didn't like too much, you know, the you know I wasn't too crazy about the the relationship between Nick Cage and his girl. I just didn't think that we got enough uh, natural flow with them. They were just kind of wanderous, staring at each other for a very long time, talking about how. Uh, I don't know. She had, she was told to kill baby birds at one point in her life, and apparently that's. I know that has something to do with what Nick Cage has to do later in the movie, and I just can't exactly pinpoint exactly what what it has to do. But um, it basically shows she's a good-hearted person, and maybe she's had a tough life, and she ends up getting brutally killed and murdered by uh, you know cult members, but. That's why it leads to Nick Cage go crazy. So, you win some, you lose some. Last few shots of the movie, I thought, were... Uh, they were beautiful, I thought, with him writing in his... Uh, well, it, right before he's, he's shown writing in in the car with his girl, he's uh, it shows the one shot of them... I believe it's like them meeting for the first time in the club or somewhere in a bar... And it shows the blue and red lights again, and the way it flickers and be- behind their light, behind their heads, and uh, illuminates their face. It uh, it's just gorgeous and beautiful, um, and uh, the way it transitions into them going, him driving in his car with her sitting, kind of like uh, ghostly sitting in her uh, in the dry- in the passenger seat. And it turns the camera and it looks at crazy Nick Cage with his eyes bulging out of his head with him covered in blood with all these uh, crazy weapons and defense mechanisms and shit all over his body. I mean, he's just just completely covered with bullshit. He just looks crazy. And then the camera turns and does from his perspective, perspective and looks at her and... All's good when the world, I guess. You know, it's uh, it's your regular John Wick ending. You know, he's he's got his car back. You know, he's got his he's gonna get himself a dog now. <laughs> I I guess I don't know, uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh it's an interesting movie, is what I would say. Um, yeah, I would if you're into movies, definitely check it out. I, I I'm I personally i'm really glad i watched it and i know that most people that are uh you know movie lovers will probably end up checking this out eventually and if you want to see some crazy nick cage i think that uh and you can you can wait out that first little bit i think it's definitely worth worth the worth the wait so thank you Rate, share, subscribe rate, share, subscribe lucky dog podcast check us out on all the applications available on iPhone and Android apps. Thank you and take these. Strange and eternal.